others. So we value people when we look to the interest of others. Philippians 2 says this really well. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And it literally says this. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So my question for you tonight in your relationships is, do you show interest in what other people are interested about? Or do you want everything to be focused on the things that you are interested about? Because I guarantee every single one of you in here have things in your life that when people show interest in those things, you feel cared for. You feel valued. Right? Because they're asking questions about the things that you care about. You're interested in those things. That's how they show you that they care. And they will even show it more so if they're things that they don't care about at all. Right? That's what we're talking about here in relationships. That we start to, again, get our eyes up off of ourselves and on to the people around us. The needs, the interests, counting others more significant than ourselves. I'll give an example of this that I feel like I see a lot, whether it's adults or students. Um, when you're in a group, everyone is trying to talk over everyone. So you're one-up storytelling. You're one-up joking. You're one-up, like, it's, it's waiting for that person to shut up so that you can get your word in. Why do we do that? It's like, I don't really care what you're talking about. I'm just kind of waiting for you to be quiet so that I can talk. Or, I'm not even going to wait. I'm just going to talk over you. Right? We do this all the time in groups, and it's because it's about us. We don't pause and sit there and go, hey, what they're sharing is kind of interesting. Maybe I should ask them a question about that. Instead of go, great, statement, statement. Right? Caring for other people looks like asking questions about the things they care about. Listening to them, not trying to wait till they stop speaking and speaking over them. Engaging in their interest. How can you value someone? You can care about the things they care about. You can care about the things they care about, even if you don't. Even if you don't. Do you ever ask questions of other people that you have no experience in? So in ministry, this is a learned skill, right? So all of you have very vastly different interests. But I want to know all of you. Which means what? I have to ask questions about things I have no clue about. Because I want you to know that I care about you and what you're interested in. Right? We can do this too for other people. Just because you don't like it or aren't interested in it doesn't mean that you can't ask about it. Right? That might be what they are interested about. Maybe sit there and ask questions and learn. What a mind-blowing concept, right? To not just talk about the things that you want to talk about. We can care for people in this way. Do you ever think about learning about someone else without it being about you? Like when you show up to meet with a friend, are you there to ask questions, to engage with them? Are you there to just talk at them? To care for each other? So this is the third way that we talked about at the very beginning, that we, we want the heart, right? If you have the heart, you have the person. That was the statement I gave last week for these seven things, right? If you have the heart, you have the person. How do you get the heart? These are the first of the three things I think that need to happen. 
Because if I start showing interest in the things that you care about, I guarantee there's a piece of your heart that you're going to start giving away. Right? Because you're going to feel cared for and valued. Okay? Um, All right. So the next one here. I didn't spell that right. I had a lot of eyes on that. Uh, All right. Availability. So making room for others when they are in crisis. Making room for others when they are in crisis. Galatians 6 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Right? Okay, so the availability thing here is this. Sometimes it will be inconvenient to love people in your life. Sometimes it will be inconvenient to love people in your life. Because it's not on your time. It's not on your calendar. It's not like, hey, could you have that issue Wednesday at 3 p.m.? No. It's not how life works, right? We need people in our life that are available Um, So, you know, last week we talked about loving ourselves extravagantly. This is a specific area I can see this come out. We are often not available to people when they need us in crisis and are burdened. Because honestly, we're too busy loving ourselves to see the burdens of someone else and to be available to them for those things. To deny ourselves and to bear the burdens of another. Does that sound like someone? That's the picture of Jesus, right? Jesus bared your greatest burden in denying himself. I think an example of this in our own world, um, for me, relating to uh, Tara and me. So work, tiredness, my time, these are all things that would swell up to make me self-focused. And there are times where I'm like, I don't want to carry your burden right now. I just don't. I want to be selfish. I want to be selfish. And we have to ask the Lord to help us to carry each other's burdens. So what do I need to do to take a step? Sometimes I need to take a step into their world. Doing so humbles me and gets my eyes up off myself. You ever have that conversation with someone? Where you start talking with them and then you start realizing there's like this compassion that starts to well up because you're actually listening to their burden and their their world. Right? It's not just an outside opinion of it. So why is this hard? We all have burdens we're currently carrying. Some of us have are carrying bigger burdens than others. This passage says to bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love God to love one another. We love one another by bearing each other's burdens. Sometimes in fear we can turn away because we don't know what to do in crisis. Some of you may be terrified to engage in crisis because you're like, I don't know what to do. And that's okay. But don't run away. Maybe even admit that. Be honest with your friend. I don't know what to do, but I want to be here. I want to be available. Um, Sometimes uh, 
we're not able to carry another person's burden because we're either too self-focused or too overburdened ourselves. There are seasons in our life where you just cannot carry burdens because you yourself are too weighed down, right? And the passage that comes to mind for me in this is cast your anxieties on him so that he can care for you. If you are so overburdened that you can't care for the people around you, I'm going to guess part of the reason of that, I'm not saying the full reason, is because you have not cast those burdens on to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean there's not seasons where you just can't. There are. There are hard seasons where we can't, and that's okay. But that needs to probably be more of the exception to the rule. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, just walk through it with them. Be available. Uh, all right. The next thing is respect. Establishing a person's worth. Every single person in this room, including me, has an issue with our worth. It's part of our sin. We doubt ourselves. We doubt who we are. We doubt if we have value. We need to respect one another. We don't respect each other just because of the things we do and the things we don't do. We respect each other baseline because of what Genesis 1 says, which is, let us make man, this is God talking, in our image. That each one of you in this room are created in the image of God, and that alone should garner respect as I engage with you. Created in the image of God, every human being should be seen with worth and value. But here's the deal. Here's how we devalue people all the time and don't respect them. We compare. We gossip. We joke. We post comments. We send text message. We don't respect whether that's friends, whether that's parents, whether that's coaches, teachers. There's a lot of people in our life that we're, we've been called to respect. So how do we point people away from value and worth that is given to us in God? So I think sometimes we can think, yeah, I'm giving tons of respect. I'm really pointing them to value and worth. But you're pointing them to an empty value and worth. Things like this. Pictures on Instagram. Feels like I'm giving them tons of value and worth because of all the comments that I'm telling them. Is that really giving them value and worth? Or is it hollow? The number of friends that you have. You're so popular. Like, you need more friends. Friends will give you value and worth. Right? Beauty. The ability to win at something. Or being the smartest or having the highest grade. These are all ways in which I think we can push value, try to gain value, but they're hollow. Because at any time, they can be taken. Right? You all see these things. If we put them on the scales of today, if you have these things, then you have value. If we can degrade these things to lessen someone's value, then we will through them do that through the list above. Every person wants to be respected. And sometimes trying to gain respect means to disrespect. 
This happens often with our parents. You believe your parents will start to respect you because of the way you're going to start to disrespect them. Mom, Dad, I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. You don't get to tell me what to do anymore. Right? What do you guys know? You should respect me. That's not the way we get respect. Right? Um, <clears throat> look at respect not just as a duty, but a gift. It is a gift that you can give someone else. I'll give you an example for your parents. If you were to walk up to your parents and say, hey, could you teach me and just fill in the blank? You have shown them respect. How often do you ask your parents to teach you something? Probably hardly ever. Why? Because we have Google. And if you want to learn something, just type it in, and there's a YouTube video to show you how to do it. Right? But the way that we could respect them is to actually come to them and say, hey, could you teach me how to do this? Um, and the, the same is true uh, in the reverse. Right? If they were to come to you and say, hey, could you teach me? You would feel like, wow, they must respect my ability to do this. Because they're coming to me to ask for help. Right? You see, we can give it as a gift. So there's some other examples. Um, so when we give someone respect, no matter their standing, we give the value and confirm that it's inherent in them because they're image bearers of God. Here's some examples I think we can think about with respect in our relationships. These are maybe extreme examples, but how could you show respect to a homeless man? I can tell you what we can't do, and we can disrespect them, by walking onto the other side of the sidewalk, trying to not make eye contact, and walking as fast as we can. Why do we do that? Because we don't think they have value. Truthfully, right? We do not think they have value. Now, I'm not saying to do something unsafe, right? Please don't hear that. But what I am saying is, if you see someone... Shake their hand. Say, hey, look them in the eyes. They have just as much value as you. The only reason you think you have more is because what you have a home, a family, a car, right? But the inherent value that they are image bearers. Okay, how about this? Maybe this is a little closer to home for you. The weird kid in science class. You know that kid? Yeah? that you're, you would never show respect to because he's weird, right? What if you looked him in the eyes, asked him his name, asked him something he was interested in, valued him? You could give the gift of respect to them. The cashier at Kroger, right? Maybe y'all don't buy groceries or check out at Kroger, but I think about this every time. It's like, when you check out at Kroger or how about this, a waitress at a restaurant, do you make eye contact with them when you talk to them? Do you say, hey, how's your day? Because what most people do is they look at their menu, choose something, flip, flip it up, right? Please go get it. And we treat them like a servant. Not with respect. Respect can be a gift that you give all your relationships. And these are just examples. So how do we give respect as a gift? Eye contact. We just talked about that. If you look someone in the eyes, you are giving respect to them. Listening, politeness, serving them, and appreciation for their work. 
That's how we give respect. Every person wants honor and respect. All right. Um, next one. Time. The key to unlocking the heart, I believe, is time. And I'm pretty sure y'all probably agree with me that time is the key here. Because the people and the things you care most about are the things you've probably spent the most time with. Um, Ephesians 5 says, look carefully then now how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Ecclesiastes 3 also says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. We all have one resource. Listen to me. We all have one resource. Equally. Time. We also have one resource that never in this life will you ever be able to get more of. Never. You can get more of pretty much everything else in this life. Except time. How valuable is your time? You don't get it back. So how are you going to use it? How are you going to spend it? I want to encourage you in this, because some of you may not see this right now. But as you spend time at home, you realize there's going to be a day coming when you will leave your house and you may go to college or you may move out to an apartment or to a job. And you spend 18 years in that house. And the time you spend in your room alone, how valuable is that? And you could be downstairs with mom and dad, your brother and sister. But you spent so much time just locked in your room. All that time you can't get back. Right? Use it well. It's a gift. But often we just go through our days like, oh, you know, just another day. Did this, did this. Kind of moseyed through. You don't get that day back. Your relationships need time. So what do you think we need to be wise with how, or so how do you think we need to be wise with how we use it? How does this connect to relationships? Well, I think the currency of relationships is time. You have to spend time together to deepen any relationship. Your time will tell you what is most important to you. It'll be the measuring stick of what you value. If you just gave me a week marked calendar of your time blocks from 24 hours, I could tell you what's important to you. For a month, I could tell you what's important to you. Because what we value, we put time to. So it's a measuring stick of what we value. And over time, it makes a difference. So I'll give you an example here. Some of you have chosen not great friends. And at the beginning, you're like, it's not a big deal. One year went by with that friend group, two years goes by, three years go by. And what you don't notice happening is they are slowly impacting you. And the things you care about, the things you value, the things you don't now value, right? It's like a stone in a river. Have you ever heard this illustration? When you put a stone in a river, you know those like smooth river stones that skip, right? They're smooth because that river has been running over over and over and over again over time. They don't start that way. But slowly over time, the river 
shapes the stone. Your people you spend time with will shape you. Whether you think it's like, no, I'm good. Like, they're not changing me at all. No, they are. They will. The Bible tells us that bad company corrupts good morals. It will change us. So our last one here. Last one is communication. Ephesians 4 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, which some of y'all should remember build up two years ago to refresh. This is the verse. That it may give grace to those who hear. Communication. Everything rests on this, right? Toxic words, words that hurt people, cut off communication altogether. Words are the lifeline in our relationships to one another. What happens in relationships when words are lacking? When words are lacking, we experience distance. We start to believe things that are not true. Does that ever happen to you with a friend or a parent? Right? The words become less and you start to believe things that no one's ever said that. No one's even ever stated that. But you're starting to believe that's true. That this must be the case. Bitterness starts to grow in us towards them. And anger, possibly. And you're almost like, I don't even know what I'm angry about. Have you ever spent an entire month thinking your friend is mad at you or at very least frustrated because they haven't spoken to you in a while? And you, therefore, become defensive and bitter towards them all to find out that they have just been busy. Right? We do this. Why? Because communication is the lifeblood. It's the lifeline of relationships. This is the one that holds all the others together. If you don't communicate, you can't do any of the others. You got to use words. You have to communicate. Get rid of corrupt words and start talking in edifying, encouraging words. How do we glorify God in our friendships? We glorify him by encouraging people, speaking words of life, truth, not tearing people down. We gain someone's heart and develop God-glorifying relationships through communication, along with all seven of these other things. So we talked about friendship. Alice shared about it earlier tonight. If you were to take these seven things into your friendships and do them and find someone else that will do them with you, I will guarantee that friendship will be healthy and thriving. Now... It does not mean that the friendship will be without conflict. It does not mean that. This isn't like formula for perfect friendship, right? Because the Lord's got to do this because we don't do this naturally. So here's the last piece of advice with all this. In every relationship you are in, you will have to face this question. Will you forgive? Will you forgive? Because every single person in your life, I don't care how well they know you or how good of friends you are, they will hurt you at some point. And you will hurt them. And if you are not prepared to forgive or to accept forgiveness, you will never have had a healthy relationship. 
have to be ready to forgive. Will you forgive? When they don't do these right, will you forgive? Okay. All right, let me pray for us.